Bretto, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm P. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit, and if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith. Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only, Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Zushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts, Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist, Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit? Not to mention our world-class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left. And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall. Getting quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bretto. The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness and optimising your health, metabolism and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 185 of The Real Food Reel, we are joined by Dr. Peter Bruckner to share his latest project, A Fat Lot of Good. In A Fat Lot of Good, Peter busts the dietary myths we've been living by for decades and teaches you how to live a longer, 
healthier, and more enjoyable life. In today's episode, you will learn about Peter's personal health journey and how this inspired his deep dive into the research to uncover the truth about nutrition. We explore the influence of money, politics, American agriculture, and so much more. Hi, Peter, and welcome back to the show. Hi, Steph. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's been some time now. I think it's almost been 100 episodes since we last had you on the show. So I'd love just to introduce you to some of our new listeners and share your story in terms of your training, your medical training, and where that's taken you over the years. Sure. Yeah, well, uh, as you said, I'm a doctor, Um, trained as a doctor, trained uh, here in Melbourne, Um, worked overseas a bit, Um, started off in general practice for a little while, but basically uh, my last 30 or 40 years uh, has been in sports medicine Mm. and um, got into sports medicine, uh, you know, in the early days when really it was just a starting off as a a medical specialty. Opened up a clinic here in Melbourne, got very involved in sort of establishing sports medicine as a medical specialty. Um, worked with a whole bunch of uh, different sporting teams and um, done some uh, done some academic work. Um, got a position uh, at uh, as professor of sports medicine at La Trobe University, and um, yeah, it's been a been an interesting journey. I've, I've had some great experiences. Uh, worked with AFL teams. Um, different uh, national sporting teams, uh, our uh, swimming team, hockey, athletics, um, went to a couple of Olympics, uh, lots of Commonwealth Games and World Championships and so on, did, uh, did the Socceroos for, um, for a few years and uh, went to the World Cup in, uh, in South Africa in 2010. And from there, went to uh, went to England and worked in the English Premier League for the Liverpool Football Club as their head of sports medicine and sports science. And then um, my most recent gig up until last year was Doctor of the Australian Cricket Team, which uh, finished up last year before uh, certain uh, events happened that uh, <laughs> I can't take responsibility for. Um, and, um, yeah, and basically, um, yeah, I uh, had five years with the cricket team, which was fantastic. There, uh, That was a great, uh, great experience. But sort of finished that... Twelve months or so ago, um, and really to to focus more on uh, on sort of the the major issues I think in uh, in health at the moment, which is uh, in particular diet and exercise and lifestyle issues. So uh, I'm really uh, devoting my my time to to that now. I've just uh, just written a uh, written another book, and um, yeah, focusing on a, on a campaign that we're running at the moment called Sugar by Half. So that's really what I'm uh, what I'm doing at the moment, and uh, yeah, busier than ever, and uh, yeah, just still as uh, as enthused about uh, medicine and, and work as uh, as I almost have been. Yeah, beautiful. Lots has happened along the way, obviously, and I wanted to just turn back to your your own personal story. Um, we did discuss this on the last episode, but I'd love for you to share, you know, obviously what you learnt in your training in as a doctor and how that applied to yourself and, and your own health and um, and what happened in terms of the light bulb moment that you had and the changes you've made since then. Well, I think uh, it's fair to say that we get virtually no training in, uh, in nutrition as, as doctors. I, I actually can't remember having a single lecture on uh, 
on nutrition uh, during my medical course. Now, admittedly, that was a fair while ago, but I don't think things have changed uh, that much. So I really, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, learned on the job, I guess, as far as nutrition goes. And to be honest, you know, I was, I was never that interested. Uh, I was quite interested in, in the sort of sports nutrition side of things, but even that got a bit sort of uh, boring because it was all about, you know, carbs and, uh, you know, pasta parties the night before the marathon and, you know, Gatorade and Powerade. And, and that was basically, uh, basically it. So, to be honest, I wasn't that interested in uh, in the nutrition side of it, and I just followed the, the same mantra as everyone else that uh, you know that uh, fat was bad, and that we're and we're eating low fat foods, and so I was uh, you know I was pretty conscientious with my diet. I, I you know didn't have any fats at all, and uh, you know low fat milk, low fat this, low fat that. Um, and but despite that, I mean I, I kept on uh, slowly gaining weight. Um, I probably put on you know, half a kilogram a year for 30 years, really, from, you know, the age of sort of 30 to thirty to 60, sort of. So, um, I mean, I, you know, I guess, when was it? Uh, six years ago, I turned 60, and uh, which was the age my father had developed type 2 diabetes. So that was in the back of my mind because uh, he'd had a pretty terrible time with that. And I, I certainly didn't want to go down that path. So I was sort of in the back of my mind, you know, I wanted to avoid that. Um, but I was overweight. Um, you know, my kids are starting to sort of poke me in the, in the belly and say, you know, come on, Dad. And I, and I shrug my shoulders and say, well, hang on a minute. You know, I exercise regularly. I, I eat a low-fat diet. You know, what else am I supposed to do? Um, I, you know, ostensibly was, was healthy on, on the outside, apart from being overweight. But I did have a condition called fatty liver, uh, which is um, something we can come back to. Um, and I'd had that for some time and typically, you know, as a doctor, I totally ignored it and so I didn't really understand what it meant. And um, so, I, you know, I seem to be okay. Um, so around that time, uh, I was living in England and um, I came across uh, some writing by uh, a guy called Tim Noakes, who's a professor of sports medicine, sports science in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And Tim's an old friend of mine. We've known each other for 20 years. We've you know, spoken at the same conferences and uh, been on the same sort of circuit, if you like. And Tim's someone I'd always admired enormously, very smart guy. And uh, he challenged a number of orthodoxies in sports science and, and been proven right, you know, in, in the past. And so he suddenly, uh, you know, came out, uh, so to speak, um, <laughs> six years ago. <laughs> Not the way most people come out, but uh, came out. And he'd been a big proponent of, of carbs as the main fuel. He'd written a book called The Law of Running, which is sort of the Bible of, for all distance runners. And there were lots, there was a whole chapter on carbs and carbs, you know, lots of carbs. That's how you needed to fuel yourself. And he came out then and said, no, I'm wrong. He said, uh, you know, carbs aren't the best fuel for you. Um, fats are the best fuel. And, um, uh, you know, he'd made changes himself. He'd developed type 2 diabetes and he'd become overweight and his, his exercise had gone off and so on. And um, he said within a week of changing to a, uh, uh, a high-fat diet and a low-carb diet, he said he'd completely changed his health and he felt like a new man. And, uh, and he was advocating that for, for people. And I thought, whoa, you know, that was, <laughs> that was pretty big. I mean, you know, basically the whole Western world has been on this sort of a low-fat diet for 30 years. And here's a guy saying, no, we're wrong. And I thought, oh, no, you know, probably Tim's finally lost the plot here. <laughs> he's really, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's been, a bit, he's been on the edge for a while, but now he's gone. Now he's gone. Um. But because I, I basically, you know, respected his intellect, I thought, no, I need to look into this. So I'm... 
I bought a book called Good Calories, Bad Calories by uh, Gary Taubes, who's not a doctor, a science journalist, and uh, it was an amazing book. It yeah. just blew me away. Um, there's a talk not, not only about you know, carbs versus fats and what the right fuels are, but it sort of went through the politics mm-hmm. of how the low-fat movement won out 30 or 40 years ago over the, the low-sugar uh, movement. And uh, that was a fascinating and very sort of uh, scary story, really. Mm. And this book really just, uh, I don't think I've ever been affected by anything I'd read uh, before. I used to put it down at night and say, no, this couldn't be right. You know, we, we couldn't have got this wrong for 30 years where the whole, you know, society is, is on this low-fat diet. And yet, you know, here's this guy giving very good evidence and, and good story as to, uh, you know, the reason that happened was, had very little to do, or had nothing to do with science, in fact, but had everything to do with, you know, money and politics and, and American agriculture and, and, and so on. And uh, the more I read, the more I thought, oh, boy, you know, this is incredible. So I read that book and, and then I just devoured everything I could get my hands on. I read, you know, oh, I don't know, I've probably read 100 books over the last few years and, uh, and you know, a couple of thousand research articles. I just, uh, you know, just got obsessed about it and I said, I've got to find out what's going on with this. And the more I read, the more I thought, no, we've got this wrong. You know, we've seriously had this wrong. And how come people don't realise this? And and I reminded myself, well, I hadn't realised it for 30 years, so, you know, <laughs> it was uh, um, not that surprising. So I really was quite disturbed. Um, so then I thought, well, I'm a scientist, you know, I need to do some research. Now, as any good scientist knows, research with an N equals 1 is a waste of time, except <laughs> when the 1 is you, which case it becomes very really important, very relevant. <laughs> so I did an N equals 1 experiment. So I... Uh, Got all my bloods done on day one, and then I went on uh, a pretty strict low-carb, high-fat diet. So I stopped eating all the, uh, all the carbs, all the sugars, um, stopped eating rice and pasta and potatoes and cereals and fruit juices and all the things that you know pretty much been my staple uh, diet. And I went back to eating the way probably my grandparents used to eat, you know, eggs and bacon and uh, you know, full cream, you know, full, full butter, uh, full-fat milk, um, and, uh, you know, I didn't trim the, the fat off the meat anymore. And, uh, you know, so I'd eat meat and fish and, and lots of uh, non-starchy vegetables and uh, a little bit of fruit, not much fruit, mainly berries, uh, nuts, seeds, um, lots of olive oil and so on. So um, I did that experiment for three months. And uh, it was just uh, had an incredible impact. I mean, the first thing I noticed was that I was no longer hungry. Mm. So instead of uh, you know, having my cereal at, at 8 o'clock or whatever and then getting to about 10.30 and thinking, God, you know, it must be lunchtime soon, um, and being starving, I just was no longer hungry. Um, so I'd have my, my full-fat breakfast and then I wouldn't need to eat for the rest of the day. Uh, so I went down to eating, you know, instead of three meals and three snacks a day, eating two meals a day. And if I, if I ever felt hungry, I'd just have a few nuts or a bit of cheese during the day. So that was the first thing I noticed. Um, and then, uh, then I started weighing myself every week, and every week I lost more weight. You know, it just it just fell off me. I lost basically uh, I lost thirteen kilograms in thirteen weeks. Wow! And uh, without reducing the amount of food, I mean, I had lots of food. Um, mm. You know, I ate uh, everything I wanted to. Uh, you know, as far as volume goes, as much as I wanted to uh, of these particular foods, and um, I felt fantastic. You know, I didn't have that sort of uh, sleepiness in the. In the afternoon that I used to get, uh, I slept better. I uh, um, had more energy in my exercise. I didn't change what exercise I did, but I just felt that it was a lot easier uh, doing the exercise. So I had this uh, amazing uh, 
three months, really. Mm. Every week I'd get on the scales and I'd lose another kilogram. I said, how long is this going to last? Eventually, you know, my family started telling me, oh, you're looking a bit gaunt. You, know, you should stop. So uh, I stopped after, uh, after 13 weeks. So I lost 13 kilograms. And, um, so, uh, and then I just backed off a little bit, uh, probably put on one or two kilograms, but basically I've stayed that for the last, uh, the last six years. And, and I'm not sort of super strict on my diet these days, but I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm pretty... I'm pretty uh, pretty low carb, uh, healthy fat sort of diet. So at the end of that three months, I did my blood tests again, and they were dramatically improved. Uh, I had a high triglyceride level that went back to normal. I had high insulin level that went back to normal, and this condition that I talked about, fatty liver, that I'd had for ten years I had, on every blood test, uh, had completely resolved in this three months, and absolutely back to normal after being there for ten years. And it, again, that just sort of blew me away, and. Uh, really made me think, you know, that we just had things terribly wrong. So um, there was one negative, though. I had to get a new wardrobe. Um, <laughs> so I'd, uh, I'd gone down two sizes in trousers and uh, my, uh, my jackets all looked. Occasionally, I, I dig out a jacket that, uh, you know, put an old jacket on and it looks like, you know, there's two of me in there. But anyway, um, so it just made a massive difference. And, and that really convinced me that, uh, you know, that, for, all, for everything I'd read and all the research I'd read and then from my own experience, uh, just that we'd, we'd got things wrong, that the whole low-fat experiment that the whole of Western society had been on for 30 or 40 years mm. has actually been a disaster. And uh, the results are there to see it. And we've just got fatter and sicker. You know, the rate of obesity, the rate of type 2 diabetes has steadily increased for 30 or 40 years. And in retrospect, you think, well, you know, surely we, we, you know, we must have done something about that. I mean, if you... If you're running a business and your results were getting worse every year for 30 years, you know, at some stage in that 30 years, you'd probably say, hang on a minute, you know, maybe we're doing something wrong here. But no, we just continue on the same merry way and we just get fatter and sicker and nothing, nothing is done about it. So I guess I resolved then to, to do what I could anyway in my sort of small way to, uh, to try and improve and make people more aware that we had got things wrong. Um, it's not a popular uh, popular move in the medical profession and the <laughs> profession, I can assure you. Um, I'm, uh, I've been uh, wiped off a few people's Christmas card lists. I but, um, oh, no, it's sad, isn't it? But um, I've got a whole bunch of new friends in the, uh, yeah. the low carb, so that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it really is, uh, is scary what, uh, what's happened and, and the fact that, you know, we've just stuck to this uh, low-fat, mantra and of course there's this massive uh, industry built around that you know we uh, we told the food industry 30 years ago to uh, to take the fat out of food and they did you know not their fault we told them to so there's low fat this and low fat that and uh, as we know what did they do they replace they replace the fat with with sugar and so when you basically see low fat you may what it means is is high sugar and uh and that's really been the been the disaster i think and uh so we've we've got to try and uh, educate people and um, educate the medical profession, and the dietitians, and the government, and uh, people who draw up the guidelines that uh, and point out to them that uh, no, we're wrong, and we've got to change things around. We've got to turn the pyramid upside down. Yeah, love it. That's so cool, and such a great one eighty for you in terms of your health. And you know, that's that proof would have been in the in the pudding. Pardon the pun. I think it's not dissimilar to Tim's story. You know, we all know that he yep. um, had, you know, quite progressive type 2 diabetes and 
he was looking down the barrel of a pretty grim you know, health progression and he's completely turned that around. And what I love about Tim's story is that, you know, he had the ability to, as you say, come out and stand up and say, I was wrong. And I think there are a lot of people that should be inspired by his actions because there are still so many people trying to hide the truth. And it's tragic, as you say, it's this huge, you know, essentially global experiment of n equals millions and the results are they're tragic and we need to be able to communicate the truth yeah i mean it's uh it's it's quite scandalous and i'm sure in you know 50 years time people are going to look back and say you know what on earth were they thinking you know this was Mm -hmm. the biggest stuff up in the history of mankind really you know and uh it's been a disaster yeah and their health is you know that the amount of chronic disease in our society and, you know, it's not just obesity and type 2 diabetes but a whole range of diseases, you know, that uh, from cardiovascular disease to, uh, to um, you know, even things like Alzheimer's and uh, all the uh, mm. gluten problems and so on are all, you know, related to, uh, to diet and all basically go back to this decision to, uh, to demonise uh, fats and that was based on very dodgy research mm. um, and, uh, you know, that can't be justified at all. I mean, uh, Zoe Harkam, one of the, uh, the, the uh, researchers in the UK, went back and, and critically examined all the evidence that was available back at that time when they made that decision to go, uh, to go you know, to recommend low fat and found there was absolutely no scientific evidence to support it at the time and, uh, and no evidence since. And yet, uh, you know, that all... Uh, happened and uh, even the, the the medical people at the time in the states sort of said look there's really no evidence for this but they sort of got railroaded into it by the department of agriculture <laughs> and uh, and so on and uh and people said well it won't do any harm uh, well you know mm. i would argue it's done an enormous amount of harm and, uh, mm. we're really you know, it's very hard to reverse these things because it becomes so entrenched in uh, uh and so many people's sort of careers depend on this uh, this advice, uh, there's so much money involved in, in the food industry and in, in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, so these things are very, you know, once they gain you know, hold the way this has, it's very hard to, uh, to reverse it. And people like us are, are considered, you know, crazies because we're, uh, we're challenging these, uh, these orthodoxies. But there's, uh, the reason we're challenging them is, is on the basis of scientific evidence. There is yeah. no scientific evidence to, to support what's been happening for the last 30 or 40 years. Uh, it's scary, you know, really scary. You wonder how many other things we've, <laughs> we've got wrong along the way. I do think about that a lot, actually. Like you said, you know, in 30 years' time, we're going to look back and we're going to be talking about, you know, around about, you know, I think it probably started in, say, oh, what is it? when does Gary Torbs release his book? 2009, even? Yeah. 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 So it's been going on. Go on. Yeah, Atkins. Atkins was, you know, I do it before then. Mm. Um, Robert Atkins, uh, who was, you know, much... Got himself sort of uh, demonised by everyone, but he, you know, he a lot of the things he said were, uh, were exactly what we're saying uh, saying now, and uh, you know he was very heavily criticised for that. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting the way uh, these things can sort of develop. And, and to be honest, it's turned me into a bit of a sceptic about everything these days. <laughs> I read, you know, I used to read medical journals and read read articles and assume that they were uh, they were based on science, and now I'm uh, it's probably a good thing I'm being. Uh, you know, sceptical about everything now. and really more savvy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really scary. I mean, you just got to look at, you know, if you just take one example, Steph, you know, just the decision to demonise butter and tell everyone to, to, to use margarine. I mean, 
to stop using a naturally, you know, a natural animal fat like butter and replace it with this chemical concoction that goes through these amazing sort of uh, processing and uh, gets, you know, added flavour and added colour and added this and, and all sorts of uh, chemical concoctions and shouldn't even really be considered a food. I mean, you know, they, these, these vegetable oils were originally... Uh, for you know, for cleaning purposes, I mean, uh, you know, there've been someone realised that you know oh, we might be able to turn them into food and, and uh, make a lot of money out of it, and uh, you know that decision, I mean, which is large, you know, people are realising now. I think that that's wrong, but honestly, that would have to be the single most stupid decision in the history of mankind. Really, it's unbelievable. Mm. So that's just one example of uh, of the way we've sort of been conned, really, by uh, by the food industry that. Uh, that something like, you know, like it's a chemical concoction like margarine should be healthier than, uh, than something naturally uh, produced like, like butter is just, uh, just bizarre, really. Yeah, and butter's a really interesting one. I'm glad you mentioned that because it is definitely one of the foods that <laughs> maybe conventional doctors are still recommending people reduce or remove and you know as a nutritionist who is a proponent of lchf so low carb healthy fat you know what what we're doing is educating our audience like you are to to eat these foods and then they're going to speak to someone who they respect who's had medical training um, and we're having that archaic cholesterol conversation and they're being told to reduce or remove their butter and often replace it with a chemical shitstorm like margarine. So I think, yeah, that's a huge part of the problem, not to mention the expensive marketing campaigns that margarine has. I mean, all of them say that they're going to lower your cholesterol and help your heart and and so on and so forth. So the brainwashing continues. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole cholesterol thing is, uh, has been sort of obviously uh, promoted enormously because uh, it's a very uh, you know it's a very handy tool for uh, for drug companies with their with their statin drugs and and the food industry with with things like these polyunsaturated oils to uh, mm-hmm. convince people. But yet there there really is not a lot of evidence to support the whole uh, cholesterol thing. Either it's certainly not as simple as uh, as just lowering your uh, your cholesterol. It's all about the different mm-hmm. types of uh, cholesterols and fats and so on which is very complicated but they uh i think they take advantage of the fact that it is so complicated by uh by trying to sort of uh baffle you with science a little bit but uh there really is no good reason for uh to be obsessed about uh, about cholesterol and um it's probably more your, your triglycerides and uh and your hdl cholesterol rather than your ldl cholesterol that everyone uh, gets obsessed about but uh you know it's, it is very complicated but um you know, we've been down the wrong track. You know, whatever we're doing is not working because we're getting sicker and fatter. And, uh, you know, we're uh, obesity, you know, two-thirds of Australians are now uh, overweight or obese, a quarter of our children. You know, when I was at school, you know, I I remember we had one fat kid at our school. You know, we called him fatty. You know, we're very (laughs) politically incorrect in those days. And, uh, but nowadays, you know, every, you know, one in four kids are are overweight or obese. And we know that overweight children become overweight adults. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, we've got a massive uh, problems. You know, there's nearly 2 million diabetics in this country now. You know, there's type 2 diabetes is a, is a rampant epidemic that's out of control. And, and basically, it's, it's both a preventable and treatable disease. I mean, type 2 diabetes is a disease where you basically don't 
tolerate carbohydrate. It's a carbohydrate intolerance. And yet, because we're so obsessed about fat, you know, the, the official line is that you have a high carbohydrate diet. I mean, it's like, you know, giving a, a, an alcoholic alcohol or, or giving someone with lactose intolerance, you know, telling them to drink lots of milk. I mean, it's just insane. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, as 2 million Australians are, and you go to your doctor and you get your diagnosis, the doctor is likely to sort of pat you on the head and say, well, you've just got to live with it. And that's not right. Yeah. You know, a, you could have prevented it. And B, you can actually reverse it. I mean, it's been shown now in, in uh, scientific uh, experiments that with a low-carb, healthy-fat diet, you can actually reverse your type 2 diabetes. You can get off your medication, uh, off your insulin if you have to take your insulin, and, um, and you're a whole lot healthier. And yet, because of this obsession with fat, uh, we, uh, we still think fat's more important. And we tell diabetics that they've, uh, they've got to worry about their fat, not their carbohydrate. It's just, uh, just crazy. Um, and again, people will eventually realise this, but it's going to, take, uh, going to take a while. In the meantime, lots of people are suffering. But the good news is that there are more and more people now waking up to this fact and mm. basically ignoring their, uh, <laughs> their advisors uh, a lot of the time um, and uh, doing it off their own bat through through websites, you know, like um, there's a fantastic website for diabetes called uh, diabetes.co.uk um, and, you know, there's things like uh, Diet Doctor and so on that, uh, that are very good websites that tell people how to, uh, how to manage their, their type 2 diabetes. And, um, you know, obviously you should consult with your, with your doctor and, and take, take the doctor on board, if you like, with, uh, with the, your journey. But uh, don't think that because you've got a diagnosis of type two diabetes that you're stuck with that for the rest of your life. You can mm. you can manage it by a, a low carb. It just makes sense. If you can't tolerate something, then don't eat it. Yeah, it's very simple. I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's a very important conversation because, as you know, like type two just gets worse, and the side effects of the the long term pharmaceutical usage are horrific. And for this conversation to have been hidden from the 2 million people that are suffering from type 2, to me, is malpractice, bottom line. And I think, yeah, this conversation that you and I are having, we need to get it out there because we can, we can, we can change the health of, you know, Australia as a start because we can, we can turn that food pyramid upside down. So the, the carbohydrates or the refined carbohydrates are, are pretty much gone, which a type 2 is, you know, that's, that should be their number one goal. Absolutely. I mean, even if we just start by, by eliminating or by reducing sugar, mm. um, you know, the average Australian has, uh, has, you know, 14 teaspoons of added sugar a day. You know, it's added sugar, not counting the sugar that's naturally occurring in, in fruit and dairy and so on. And, uh, you know, so if we can just even cut that down by, by a half, you know, the, the World Health Organization says, you know, ideal is probably about six. You know, we're not saying no sugar, um, mm. but if we cut that down by half, we could have a massive impact on uh, on the health of Australians, and uh, and that's why we've started our, our campaign, Sugar by Half, to uh, to try and uh, achieve that. And and you know, if we could achieve that, you know, I, I can't think of any other intervention, you know, health intervention in the country that would have us beginning on the Australians doing that. And uh, and it's not that you know, not hard to do. I mean, you know, we've got to a realize where sugar is. So you know, obviously. Drink soft drinks in particular are, are the biggest uh, cause, especially among young people. But sugar is sort of hidden everywhere, and it's uh, it's basically hidden in in most processed foods. 
probably about 80% of all processed uh, packaged foods have hidden sugar in it. Um, it might not be called sugar. It might be one of the sort of 60 or so different names that uh, the food industry uses to disguise uh, sugar, but uh, it'll be there. And, um, you know, if we can cut back uh, things that, you know, we, we've always sort of been told were healthy, you know, like uh, low-fat fruit yogurts and, uh, and, and, you know, tomato sauces and, uh, um, you know, muesli bars and things like that are all, uh, are all full of sugar mm. and uh, are actually not that healthy uh, at all. And, you know, I think if we, if we sort of have one simple philosophy it would be to, to that lovely expression, jerf, you know, just eat real food. <laughs> if we just stop eating packaged processed foods and go back to eating real foods, you know, that old story of uh, sticking to the outside of the supermarket, you know, keeping away from the middle aisles where all the, uh, all the, the packaged food is and stick to the, the fruit and vegetables and meat and fish and, and dairy, then, uh, you know, you're going to do yourself a massive favour and, and, and really uh, have a huge impact on your long-term health. And, uh, you know, we've just got to get that message out there because uh, obviously there are, you know, there's huge industries out there that, uh, that you want to maintain the status quo, want us to eat more uh, packaged food, more breakfast cereal, which is, you know, full of sugar and, uh, um, and more, you know, tomato sauce that's full of sugar. And, you know, it's everywhere. Sugar is everywhere. Yeah, I absolutely love this campaign. So it's sugarbyhalf.com. How can we help yeah. with, um, with Sugar by Half? Oh well, you could you know donate thousands of dollars if you want to, but uh, <laughs> no, I, you know I, I think you know we've all got to become ambassadors, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's I think we've sort of always expected that you know we've sort of sat back and expected the, the health professions, and particularly the medical profession, to sort of lead the way on health, and uh, which is you know understandable. But uh, the reality is that's not happening uh, for a whole bunch of, of reasons. Um, and, and, look, it's not always the doctor's fault, you know. I mean, it's just what they're taught and what they're exposed to. And so I, I don't blame individual doctors for, for this. But, uh, you know, certainly the profession as a whole has to uh, have a good, uh, good look at itself. But uh, so, you know, given that the doctors are not doing it, it's basically up to all of us, you know, the people who, uh, who do understand this, uh, this stuff and have sort of a, seeing the light, if you, if you like, to uh, to spread the word, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, you know, pe- our, you know, your listeners have got to uh, got to talk to their doctors and uh, and say, you know, have you read this? You know, give them a give them a uh, you know a, a copy of a book or, uh, or or suggest they might look at something or you know, particularly if you know those who've had good results themselves, you know, go to your doctor and say, hey, you know, have a look at me. You know, I've lost all this weight. I've, I've reversed my diabetes and so on. You know, how do you think I've done it? You know, I've done it with a a low-carb, healthy-fat diet. And uh, so, in a way, you know, patients have got to educate their doctors. Uh, we've also got to educate our, uh, our colleagues and, uh, you know, whether they be at work or our family and, and spread the word, you know. I mean, if every, if every person who has had a good health experience, you know, can convince 10 other people to do it and they convince 10 other people and so on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about people power. And, uh, and regrettably, you know, that's, that's what we have to do because the, the medical profession and, and the food industry and so on are not going to uh, not going to take the lead. So it's up to us to uh, to really get out there and uh, and talk to people. Yeah, I completely agree. So I'll definitely pop the links in the show notes. But speaking of a book to give to your doctor, oh, <laughs> I really want. <laughs> I really want to share a fat lot of good, which is your recent publication. 
tell us more about this book and um yeah let's dive in okay well yeah it's called a fat lot of good it's it's out by penguin and you know at all good bookstores as they say um but I guess, you know, people have said to me, you know, ever since I got started on this, you know, are you going to write a book? Are you going to write a book? Because I've, I've written a number of sort of sports medicine books and things. And so, um, and to be honest, oh, my line was, look, you know, we don't need another book. You know, there's, there's good books out there and, uh, um, you know, so on. But uh, people, I guess, eventually convinced me that, um, that it was the best way to get your message across, that there weren't any books out there by on this topic by doctors, uh, especially by Australian doctors. So it's more relevant to an Australian uh, audience. And um, so eventually, I guess, I, I got talked into it. And I, uh, and what I wanted to do was really just basically tell people what, what I, I spent the last six years devouring everything I possibly can on this topic. Uh, I probably read two, three, four hours a day on uh, on research articles, books, everything I possibly can get my hands on. And I guess what, what, what this book is, 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 you know, really the results of my, my learning over this, uh, over this period. And I thought, well, I'll save everyone else having to do all that. I'll do it for them and put it in a, put it in a book in, uh, in pretty simple language. It's not very scientific. Um, and uh, I think it explains, it tells my story, it tells where we where we've gone wrong as, as, a, as a society with, uh, with what we're eating and, and give some, you know, I think some pretty uh, practical um, information about uh, the sort of things that, uh, that we should be eating. It doesn't sort of, I'm not one for saying, you know, I'm, you know Monday breakfast you should have this and Monday lunch you should have that. I, I really just try and give people the, the knowledge, the information they need to make their own decisions about uh, about what they should be eating, and, and I think from from reading the book, it's pretty clear the sort of uh, direction that I'm uh, that I'm suggesting. And uh, it's not just about diet. You know, I also talk about uh, the importance of exercise and uh, sleep and uh, reducing stress and getting lots of sun and a uh, whole lot of issues uh, like that. We tackle uh, you know things like eating out on on a healthy diet and takeaways and and what supplements you should have or shouldn't have and specific issues for kids and for uh, for uh, pregnant women and so on. So I try and cover a pretty broad range of, uh, of topics and uh, um, just give people, I guess, the benefit of, of the research uh, that I've done over the last uh, six years. Yeah, amazing. It's certainly a very handy resource and I love that you go through the main dietary myths and misconceptions because that can be, you know, for people that are first learning, they can eat that for the first time in their life. There's you know, quite often a lot of fear there. And I think it goes back to what we were speaking about before with just being like the, the example of butter. But obviously there are a lot of people that have basically never even eaten, eaten, you know, egg yolks or nuts or olive oil because they were so afraid of all types of fats, not just the refined seed oils. So that's going to be really helpful for those that need to unwind decades of the wrong way. I think that's right. I mean, that was the hardest thing I found. It's just getting your head around the fact that it's okay to eat these things now. You know, mm. and we've been told for thirty years that uh, you know you've got to have uh, have you know margarine instead of butter. That you can't eat eggs. You know, I mean, uh, surely egg white omelets are the craziest <laughs> idea in history. I, mean, <laughs> I totally <laughs> you know, agree. Eggs are, eggs are probably oh. nature's you know healthiest food. You know, if you had to single out one single food that gave you the most 
goodness, if you like. It would probably be an egg. And yet, uh, you know, we were told, you know, that because uh, eggs have cholesterol, that you can't have eggs. And we now know that, uh, that you know, that the cholesterol you eat has no effect whatsoever on your uh, on your uh, blood cholesterol mm-hmm. um and we've you know we've actually known that for ages and yet uh, you know we just got so obsessed by that uh, that cholesterol thing so really i mean uh, it used to make me cry when i you know when i see people having egg white omelets i mean mm-hmm. oh, you know the, the poor people are missing out on all <laughs> all the uh, all the best stuff so um yeah look um it, it, the the big issue is getting your head around the fact that it's okay to eat fat again um, because, uh, you know, it's very hard. And I, I found that myself. You know, I really found it quite challenging when you've been told something uh, is bad, you know, for 30 years. All of a sudden, it's, you know, some joker comes along and says, no, no, that's no, okay. It's, it's, it's a difficult concept to, to tackle. But, uh, you know, there is so much scientific evidence behind this now that, uh, that you know, supports it. Uh, the fact that uh, saturated fats, you know, which is the the, uh, the saturated animal fats that would be demonised, and uh, you know, there's there's lots and lots. Of, I think there's eight sort of proper systematic reviews, analyses of all the scientific literature that all come to the same conclusion that it's not related at all to uh, to any cardiovascular issues or anything like that. So, you know, there's there's lots and lots of scientific evidence. It's not just uh, you know someone's. Uh, some little celebrity diet and some, you know, some film star or something has decided this is the way to, to eat. There is a whole heap of science uh, behind this and that's what I try and sort of uh, find uh, in the book and there's hundreds of references there if people want to uh, want to check on it and, and so on. But, uh, mm. um, yeah, look, it's just a really important – I think, you know, I just can't emphasise how important this is. I think it's the single most important issue in our, in our health at the moment and uh, – We've got to do something about it because, uh, you know, the way we're going, uh, we're getting, uh, as I've said before, we're getting fatter and sicker and uh, no one's doing anything about it. Yeah. Well, you are. (laughs) We're very grateful for your passion on this topic. I think, you know, the book goes through so many um, concepts, which which I think our listeners are going to love. You share your five golden rules and, yes, like, the essentials to healthy living as well. So as you said, it's not just about food, which is a big part of it, but, you know, thank you so much about for speaking about issues like stress and the importance of adequate vitamin D because these are also areas that significantly contribute to long-term health. Uh, absolutely. I mean, no one, you know, no one in Australia, you know, we've, we're a sunny country. No one in Australia should be, uh, should be vitamin D deficient. And yet, uh, you know, we've got low vitamin D levels because mm-hmm. we've become so averse to the sun. You know, it's, it's like anything. We think, you know, that, you know, there's an association between sun and skin cancer. And then we go way, you know, too far the other way. And, you know, we don't let kids anywhere near the sun these days. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, we've got all these, uh, these issues with, uh, with vitamin D deficiency, which, uh, has a big impact on it on our health. So, yeah, look, I'll cover all those uh, issues. Uh, I think the importance of, of stress, you know, it, uh, that has a huge impact on on one's health. Uh, sleep is really important. Um, so we talk about different ways in which we can uh, improve both the quality and the quantity of, of sleep and so on. So, yeah, look, uh, as I said, it, it's just everything I've uh, I've read and learnt over the last uh, six years of, of my journey and. Uh, I just want to uh, share it with other people and try and uh, help people improve their health. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my mission from now on. And yeah. you know, I'm going to stick at it and, until I drop myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have no intention of doing that, mind you. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's my passion at the moment. 
Yeah, it's great to see. And yeah, obviously your health is um, is heading in the right direction now. So it's all about longevity at the end of the day. So it's awesome to see. Thank you so yeah, it's, much. It's quality, uh, it's quality mm. of life as well. It's Absolutely. Just, you know, living to 100 or whatever, but it's, you know, we're, we're living longer, but the last sort of 20 years of our life is, is you know, most people have some chronic disease and, and, you know, a lot of these chronic diseases are preventable and, uh, and diet is the biggest single factor in preventing those chronic diseases. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. To it. No, but it's, it's, it's so good to hear. And it, it, times are changing. I think obviously we saw um, that um, Tim has been cleared. Tim Noakes has been cleared of all allegations again. Um, and it's slowly changing. So we just need people like you and resources like a fat lot of good so that we can continue this conversation and, and share it worldwide. So thank you, Dr. Bruckner. Thanks so much for your time today on the show. And I encourage everyone to get their copy of A Fat Lot of Good, as you said, from all good bookstores. Thanks a lot, Steph. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Reel. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.